Welcome to the uh, Burning Miles Podcast Show. Um, I'm your host, Reggie, a.k.a. Trucker Doc, coming live to you. I'm also with my co-host, Trucking with Mitchell, a.k.a. Mitchell. Yeah, so how's everybody doing today? Today we got an action-packed show for you guys. Um, This is actually our first episode. Um, I'm coming live to you from the beautiful state of Ohio on uh, the Ohio Turnpike. Where where are you coming from, Mitchell? I'm coming from Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas, Nevada, man. So it's a beautiful day out today. It was raining a little bit earlier, but it has cleared up, and we, we are burning some miles. Yes, we are. Yes, yes. So today's episode is kind of like an introduction to the podcast um, and what we are going to be speaking about and what we are all about. So why don't we go ahead and get into it? So I'll go ahead and start it off. Um, I am an OTR driver, an OTR OTR lease operated driver. Uh, I've been driving for three years. And... Man, I love it, and then hated that sometimes, too. If you're an OTR truck driver, you know exactly what I mean. Um, what about you, Mitchell? What's your What's your background, man? Yeah, so I'm a I'm an OTR company driver. I've been driving for a year. Same thing. I I love it to death. I love being out here on the road, but I also hate it at some points in times, and just like everybody else. Uh, definitely, definitely. So on today's episode, like we said, it's kind of an introduction to the podcast, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, on today's episode, we're just, we're just, we're, we're kind of wanting to introduce the world to us and see what we're all about. And, and, and like I said, you know, we're just, we're burning some miles. We're just, we're just like you. We're actually driving right now. So kind of get a in-depth perspective of what actually goes on during the road, kind of like a natural field, you know? So what yes, you want to yes. go ahead and start off with, Mitchell? So I think we should start off with what do you, what do you look, what's, what's the current freight market looking like for you guys over there in the, in the lease operator world slash reefer world? I can definitely tell you that right now it looks very, very scarce. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it's difficult, man. It's difficult. It's uh, trying to. It's kind of you're scrapping. You're scrapping for loads right now. So yeah, it's not look not looking very, very high. Apparently, I did some research on it, and it's it's going to be looking like this for. I think they say a couple more months, and then it might start to even out and, and normalize. Uh, what about you on the company side over there? Uh, I'm running flatbed, man. What's it looking like for you guys? Man, currently we're in season, so we 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 are running hard over here in the flatbed world. Um, you know, as as my flatbed drivers out there know, you know, natural disaster season, we start running a lot of uh, building materials across the country, so. You know, right now I got a load of sheetrock on. Sheetrock built houses, so we're in season. So our freight's looking pretty good right about now. 
Um, but we'll we'll probably normalize here in the next couple months. We'll come down to like a normal freight market instead of being high where we're at right now. Okay. So running flatbed, man, what's kind of what's uh what's kind of the the difficulty that you come across and experience on a um a daily basis, I guess. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people that aren't flatbed, like a lot of people that have never driven flatbed don't understand that like, you know, we actually work. I'm not saying that other truck drivers don't, but like Oh, you saying that we, I don't work? We we drive that's what you're saying, man. But on top of that, we're doing about another five to six hours of like a manual labor job, which can be a little tough at times to learn how to balance because, you know, being company, you know, I run CPM, so I want to run those miles, but I also need to do my pickups and deliveries. So being able to balance that, that work and personal life inside the truck, being able to find that, that perfect mixture of sleep and work gets a little tough time to time. And I think that's the biggest, you know, obstacle that a flatbed driver is going to have to overcome is just learn when enough is enough and get that sleep that you need. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, you're speaking on, you know, running CPM and how you're so driven by running miles. Well, me being a lease operator uh, running reefer, I'm actually running a percentage, so I'm not too concerned about miles as far as the actual freight rate. So you're going to get kind of a, two different sides of, of of the spectrum um, running CPM compared to running percentage. So that's, that's definitely going to be um, a dynamic that I think a lot of, a lot of guys be able to um, connect with. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what you got planned for today, Mitchell, what you got planned for today while we rolling down these interstates? <clears throat> So I got about 35 miles left on this trip that I'm on right now, coming into Las Vegas. So I'm going to get into Vegas. I'm going to work this truck. I'm going to get it into this. This place I'm going to is really small, really tight, not really flatbed friendly. So we're going to we're gonna try to sneak it on in there, you know, untarp, unstrap, get this load off, go pick up another load, and then I'm heading off to Washington today. I was always curious about typically how long does it take, um, I, let's say, your average flatbedder to, to tarp and strap. And does um, the compensation for that kind of make it worth it? Yeah, so I I personally, I think so. I mean, me personally, where I'm at, our, our tarp pay is really, like, really high, in my opinion here. Um, this is one of the best tar paying companies I have found, but we do tarp a lot here. Um, your average guy is going to be able to untarp and unstrap a load in about half an hour to 45 minutes. Okay. Um, and so some of your new guys the, might take a little bit longer. Oh, a little bit longer. Well, so what what would you say is, is too long? Um, I've seen some drivers upwards of two to three hours to untarp and unstrap a load. If you're taking two to three hours, then you need to go to the doctors and get your lungs checked and make sure that you got the energy to be able to do this job because the untarping isn't that hard. It's the tarping that sucks. 
Right, right. So now, like with the the compensation on that, um, do you do you think that the work is 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 fairly compensated, or could it be improved, or what, what's your what's your honest thoughts on that? I I think where I'm at, I think the hundred dollar tarp pay that I'm getting is, I think it compensates the amount of work that I do. Um, you know, I average that on an hour on, hour off. And if I average it a hundred, like an hour on, hour off, that's fifty bucks an hour. And I look back at my previous life, and I go, you know, I've never made fifty dollars an hour working anywhere. So, <laughs> and I've done it all. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, like like I said, we come from different different kind of backgrounds, and you know, I was actually in the um, customer service space before getting into uh, driving a truck. You know, I was working in a call center. Um, before I actually got my CDL, um, what's what's a little bit of your your work experience? I was basically just like a day laborer. Um, I was actually a diesel mechanic before coming on to getting my CDL. So I've so you've been around trucks a lot. Never, yeah, I basically grew up around trucks. My uh, my family has been in the diesel mechanic world basically our entire lives. So we've been in and around trucks our whole life. So it's kind of like cliche to say but diesel running my blood in my blood funny that you say that you know when i first came into the trucking industry a lot of people said once it once trucking gets into your blood it's hard to get it out and i, I found that to be very very true um i can't very really true. see myself doing anything else right now at this point in my life um so yeah if, if all you new guys coming in once you get it into your blood, it's, it's very, very hard to get it out. Um, but another thing, too, is just being a truck driver, it's it's not just a job or a career. It's a, it's a, an entire lifestyle, and you really have to be able to change your lifestyle um, to fit trucking in. It, be, it becomes your life, basically, um, and kind of – trying to balance that with the home life and that could be difficult at times don't you think oh yeah 100 percent. and you know i had uh just a couple of days ago i had a a rookie truck driver uh she was in her first i want to say she was only like three four weeks out with solo and she was talking to me she was running flatbed so she had some flatbed questions and i was answering all her flatbed questions for her and uh, she asked me, she was like, how do you balance having a relationship out here OTR on the road? And I was like, that's a tough one. I mean, no one can really answer it because everyone does it different. But I basically just told her, I was like, you know, you're going to find out out here on the road if the one's the one. Because you're going to be gone a lot. say that, man, because literally anybody that's not in the trucking industry when they ask me a question about driving, the very first question they ask is, do you, how do you have a social life? And I, 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 all I can say is that you find other people that's within your industry to, to kind of talk to uh, because they're, they're the ones that know what you're going through. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like the – the only thing you can do is just try to try to find people that are going through the same thing. And I mean, there's a lot of truck drivers out here that are super cool. I've met a lot of really cool guys over guys and girls over my year of experience out here on the road. And I'm sure you've met a lot of really cool ones as well. 
definitely. You never stop learning out here. So if I can always, you know, pick somebody's brain, an old head's brain, or even a rookie's brain, if I can pick their brain, see what they're going through, and and see if I can apply that to what I'm doing and and make my day more productive and more more plentiful. I'm all for it. You know, you never stop learning in trucking. You, you learn something new every day. You never experience the same thing over and over being an OTR truck driver. And that's, I think that's one of the, the things that I love so much about being OTR is it's something new every day. Like you, you're literally waking up in a different state every day, pretty much. Yeah. And I can see the questions popping up in the comments now. How did you two meet? Reggie, would you like to go into that one? I'm going to it, man. I'm going to it. So I actually met Mitchell. I was actually his trainer. I was his mentor um, when he first got his CDL. So I started out at Swift Transportation, and I became a mentor at Swift Transportation after a year. And I believe, Mitchell, you were my fourth student, third or fourth student. Um, that I had on my truck and pretty much taught taught this man everything I know, how to run productively, how to, you know, how to run his clock and everything like that. So I, I just hope that my training has done him good and has been able to make his life more prosperous as it has mine. What do you say, man? You, you think I did a pretty good job as a mentor? Oh, yeah, you really drilled into my head how to run that clock to the max potential, which was really good. I mean, we could uh, use yesterday as an example. Yesterday I started working at about 8 o'clock in the morning, but understanding how to use, you know, SB split and all that stuff on the clock, I was able to basically run into the night and make it almost all the way to Las Vegas from – Northern California, up, up towards San Francisco, up by the Golden Gate Bridge. So I felt like I did a pretty good, pretty good run yesterday, just because you really taught me how to run that clock to its max potential. And then you also drilled into six P's, and I live my six life P's. by the six P's now. Yes, sir. The six P's: proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Yes, yes. As a truck driver, you always, always want to plan properly, guys. Plan your trips out. Plan your days out. Shoot, even plan your breaks out, man. Come on now. But, yeah, definitely want to drill in the six piece to everybody listening today. Um, as I've drilled it into each and every one of my students that I have trained, as I've drilled it into Mitchell, um, we proper planning, guys, proper planning. So, Mitchell, kind of, I wasn't, I wasn't your first mentor, now was I? You were not. Um, I actually had a different mentor before, as a lot of people may be wondering right about now. Well, he's briefer. Your flatbed. How did that happen? Well, my original intentions with truck driving was to go be a flatbed truck driver, and um, so my first mentor was a flatbed mentor over at Swift, and you know this. This man just didn't give me, like, the good vibes. I didn't feel like I was learning anything in the first week uh, because I did a week out with him, and I didn't feel like I was learning anything. And, you know, a lot of of these older cats out here will know there's some good ones, there's some bad ones. You got about a 50-50 shot of getting a good one or a bad one. 
um, you know, I, I chose the short end of the stick on that one. I got a bad one and, you know, luckily Swift was able to put me in a different mentor's truck and, you know, that mentor ended up being good old trucker doc over here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now the funny thing about it was I pre the previous student that I had on my truck before I ended up getting Mitchell kind of pushed me to the point to where I was like, man, fuck training. I'm good. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, but, you know, I was able to be talked back into taking another student, and that's when I ended up picking up Mitchell. And um, it kind of was uh, – it wasn't like it was real difficult kind of getting along. I mean, we got along pretty good. Uh, he was a great driver, uh, could back up the truck pretty good. Um, just little, the, some of the little finer points that I had to to kind of beat out of them. Um, not literally, guys. But, you know, uh, but that that's typical when you're coming from driving a car, a four-wheeler, into getting into one of these big rigs. Um, it's kind of those, those bad habits that you have as a four-wheeler. And you, you, you typically bring them into the big rig. And our job as mentors and trainers are is to knock that out of you, to develop good habits um, for driving a truck. So, I mean, like, I, we, I've never had any problems with them as far as, you know, driving and understanding and listening. Um, so, I mean, you were pretty, you were pretty good, pretty good and decent student. So I, I no complaints over here. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, definitely. So you, you said you were at Swift. Are you, are you still with Swift? I am not with Swift no more. Um, I actually ended up leaving Swift after about eight months of driving with them. Um, no particular reason why I left. I more or less was just wanting to go a different route with my truck driving career. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to look for more of a designated flatbed company. Um, that's what I ended up finding over here at Central Oregon Trucking Company. Um yeah, I was just looking for something more, a little bit more Your directly to what I was trying to do. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's one thing everybody should know is, like, when you're picking a company and you're you're picking a division to go into in trucking, you want to know what's, what's going to be best for you. Um, kind of uh, give you an example. Running dry van is probably going to be one of the easiest easiest divisions to go into uh, as far as driving a truck. It's, it's pretty much your bottom level. Everybody goes to drive van first. Um, and then, you know, you typically can make pretty much make your own, your own schedule. Um, you can drive nights if you want to. You can drive days. Um, a lot of the loads are dropping hooks. Um, that's basically where you drop a trailer, you're picking up an empty, or you're dropping an empty, picking up a loaded. Um, and then you have refrigerated, which is what I do, um, and that that's a little bit more appointment strict um, as far as you need to get it there by the appointment time. And a lot of you reaper drivers out there listening know that those appointment times can be anywhere between 9 p.m. and 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I've had appointments at 1 a.m. I've had appointments at 2, 3, 4 a.m. So it's not really a set schedule to where, you know, you can kind of develop a good sleeping pattern and good routine. Um, and then you have, you know, your flatbed where, you know, typically flatbed is Monday through Friday, eight to five. Can you, can you kind of touch on 
your 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 kind of routine that you have going on when you're picking up, dropping off, and driving? Yeah, so over in the flatbed world, I mean, you could pretty much say that 50% of your drop-offs are going to be to a job site. And these job sites, you know, I've never worked on a construction site before this, and now seeing how well of a precise operation a construction site is, I mean, there is zero margin for error for you being late when you're dropping off to a job site. Because if you're late, that job site stops. So you can't be late. You have to be able to you have to be able to tell your dispatch, hey, this isn't possible. You got, and that's where the, you know, six P's come in. I look at the miles. I look at everything to make sure that, okay, yes, I can make that before. I would like to be there and have my 10-hour break done before my delivery appointment. Because, like I said, if if you're late, the job site stops most of the time because, uh, you know, they don't have room to just have all the materials. So they're using the materials as they're coming in, and, you know, you're the one bringing them in. So it's kind of just planning your day out and planning the trip to make sure that you could actually make it there. And then your pickups, you know, your pickups are a little bit more lenient, but like you said, it's usually Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. for your drop-offs, and then your pickups going to be anywhere from, like, Monday to Saturday and some of our pickups are really early. I mean, like the, this load I picked up, I picked it up at about 3 a.m. in the morning. So it, it it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like what I said earlier. It's, it's tough for a flatbedder to realize when enough is enough and need to get that sleep. As long as you could do that, man, you got it in the bag. Definitely. So now you kind of mentioned um, how you want to make sure that you have a 10-hour break in uh, prior to, to delivering, I kind of do the same thing at the reefer side. Um, so a lot of times um, these DCs, these big DCs, a lot of them have overnight parking uh, to where you can you can go there early, um, do your 10, be able to get unloaded, and be able to continue to drive with a full clock the next morning after you get loaded. Um, so I utilize that a lot as far as sleeping at the shipper or sleeping at the receiver and um, getting up and having a load that I can run, you know, a full clock on. So that that that's also goes into planning, um, knowing knowing if your receiver or your shipper has that overnight parking to where you can. And then another thing is also calling the shipper and receivers to see if maybe hey can can you guys load me a little bit early? You know I'm here. You know if if you guys are willing to load me early. I'm here. I'm out here. Just give me a call. You know, it's kind of little things like that that can help boost a lot of things that um, can increase your revenue and increase your 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 take home. Now, on the flatbed side, do you guys have a lot of uh, shippers and receivers to where you're able to kind of overnight park? Um, yeah. So, like most of these job sites that we'll go to. Um, you know, you know, you got to think you're in a construction zone, so it's got a lot of commercial equipment around. So even like, you know, street parking outside of the, you know, the job site, as long as we could get fully off the road, we can usually kind of slide underneath the radar, if you know what I mean, because like there's all this commercial equipment around and then they see the truck and it's not like, oh, 
dude sleeping in it. So we're able to kind of like slide under the radar a lot of the times. But there is a lot of like receivers and, and uh, shippers like the one that I picked up this one. They were like, hey, you know, you're, you're going to be our first delivery of, or our first pickup appointment in the morning. So go ahead and just park on the street outside. And as soon as our last truck leaves, and they told me what the worker's vehicle looks like. They're like, as soon as that vehicle leaves, you can just pull straight up to the gate and just park right at the gate. Yeah, that's definitely got to be lovely, man. That's definitely got to be lovely. Just to be able to maximize your clock, maximize your earning potential. Um, and I say potential because it's not a guarantee. It's never a guarantee in trucking. It's always a potential. So to to be able to open yourself up to the potential to do something, the potential to make more, um, it, it's, it's got to feel rewarding. Definitely got to feel rewarding. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, there's not, not a better feeling to me than a 500 mile day. If I do 500 miles, I go to sleep and I just know like, man, I just drove more miles in one day than a normal person would drive in a week. <laughs> Shoot, a lot of people, you could say a lot of people drive in a year. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We drive a lot. You know, I, we've got a lot of miles out here on these interstates. And, you know, I, I I like what I do. I think it's fun. You know, I see a lot of different a lot of different things out here on the road. Some things that I'm like, man, that's cool. And there's some things I'm like, yeah, I could have done without seeing that. <laughs> so... Yeah, definitely. So, um, what are some some typical things that you you would see on the on the road? What are some good things that you that you're able to see and some kind of kind of things you wish that? Um, well, shit, I wish I never fucking met, saw that. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like I mean, right now I-15 North, uh, driving through Las Vegas. You know, you're driving right next to the Strip. If you've never been to Vegas before, the Strip is straight off of the freeway. So you're passing by, you can see all the nice hotels and, you know, you see it, you see a lot of like cool places like that where, or like, you know, it might not even be like a city, but like, you know, if you're the type of person you like landscapes and you just love seeing wide open lands, Wyoming is perfect for you because you're going to see nothing but lands there. So you see like a lot of like beautiful mountain ranges, like you just, a lot of the places you drive through are like, man, it's beautiful out here. Or, you know, man, this is a cool ass place, you know, Las Vegas or Nashville. But then, you know, there's the bad side of it, which, you know, you might be rolling down the interstate and come across, you know, God forbid, you know, another truck accident. I hate seeing accidents that involve semi-trucks because it just, you know, it puts me in that, man, that could have been me mood. <laughs> devastating really i mean you think about it just the sheer force of a truck you know it's like an eighty thousand pound bullet coming at you or eighty thousand pound missile just coming straight at you oh yeah it's like those tiktoks nowadays the missile knows where it is because it knows where it isn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah we are just eighty thousand pounds of death rolling down the road and you know it sucks because I know a lot of people, a lot of four-wheelers out here don't understand just how devastating an accident between a semi and a four-wheeler is. You know, they might think like, oh, it's just it's like, you know, he'll just tap my rear end when, in all honesty, we're driving straight through you. 
and we're gonna tap the car in front of you. Uh, like the, the just the the stopping distance that is needed to stop a truck is, you know, when you think about it, a truck going about sixty miles an hour is gonna take at least three and a half, four football fields to come to a complete stop. And a lot of times we run so into So that brings up a, a great thing. What's that? For the difference between like a flatbed and a reefer or a dry van or anything like that, and even a, there's a couple different sides of flatbeds that we'll get into in later shows, but like my stopping distance doesn't, like I, my stopping distance isn't calculated on how fast can I stop the truck. It's how fast can I stop the truck comfortably because what a lot of people don't realize about flatbeds is if I stop too fast, where does that load behind me go? That's very true. Straight into my very cab. True. <laughs> so I, I have my comfortable, I like, you know, a solid couple thousand feet to slowly bring my truck to the stop. Like I start slowing down for my off ramp about a quarter of a mile before ramp. Okay, about a quarter of a mile. Okay. So, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the same. I think a lot of people can't can't see that. Yeah, no, and and, you know, you you definitely want to be comfortable out here. You don't want to bring the truck to a complete stop. Like the same thing could happen to, you know, a a van or a reefer trailer where, as as far as the stopping distance, you stop too fast, too hard, you can flip you can flip the truck easily, you know. So you know, coming around and, and going to different different stopping distances to find out what, what you're comfortable with is, um, is, is, is very vital. It's vital to, to being a safe driver, to being a comfortable driver. So it's, it's interesting that you brought that up. I, I appreciate you bringing that up, man. Yeah, it's all about being comfortable out here. And, you know, that was something that when I first started driving, I thought like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Which is true for a lot of things, you know, if you go to a company that has forced dispatch, yeah, they're going to force you to go somewhere that you might not be comfortable going. But at the end of the day, you know, for the rookie drivers that are coming into this, you guys just have to remember that that load's not worth your life. If you don't think you can safely drive that tractor through that weather conditions, pull it over, park it, because, you know, your dispatcher might be mad at you. Or brokers might be mad at you, driver leaders, fleet managers. But at the end of the day, would you rather them be mad at you or you be six feet under? So just Very, just know your limitations when you get out here. Very well said. No load is worth your life. I'm going to say that to you guys again. No load is worth your life out here. It doesn't matter. If you do not feel comfortable or safe driving that load, do not drive that load. Because if you're uncomfortable, it's it's going to exude in your actions and therefore making it unsafe for everybody else around you. Um, One thing I, I, I like to stress is all these cars that's driving around, just think of them as your families in that car. And you you want to be able to to trust that the truck drivers around and even other cars around are being safe and and how they operate. So 
Definitely, man. Thank, thanks again for bringing that up. No load is worth your life. Yeah, you just you just got to make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, you're the driver. And you're the one that's in control of it. And, you know, kind of like what you said, you know, every time I'm driving down the road and I look over and I see a car next to me, I think like, oh, what if my wife was in that car? Would I want to be the driver in here that's all nervous Nelly about what's behind me? Or would I want to be the driver that's comfortable? Or, you know, my mom or my dad or aunts, uncles. So, you know, just always make sure that you feel comfortable. If, you know, you're not comfortable driving in the in the snow, then pull it on over. There's, you know, there's rest areas and stuff out here or off ramps or whatever. And, you know, that kind of goes along with the, with the six P's. You know, if you plan your trip, you might see like, oh, I'm going to go through this area and it's going to be snowing. I don't like driving in the snow. I don't feel comfortable driving in the snow. But if I slow down by seven miles an hour, I'll miss the snow. So oh, definitely, definitely. You always make always sure do you your planning. Look at your weather, your traffic. Yeah. And what apps would you say someone needs? Big. Uh, the most important app that I believe everybody should have is a, some sort of a weather app. Me personally, I use the Climb, C-L-I-M-E, uh, Climb Weather app. It's from NOAA, N-O-A-A. Um, it has an advanced uh, radar to where you can look, I believe it's 72 hours in advance, uh, to kind of see how the weather is going to be looking. And I utilize that a lot um, as far as planning my trips. And if there is a storm coming, being able to find a different route to kind of go, go, go around. Um, another app, I don't personally use it, but, you know, a lot of people say it's a really good app. It's Trucker Path, um, using Trucker Path to be able to find spots. I know that Trucker Path does have um, stuff in there to where it'll tell you how many spots are available um, at that particular either truck stop or rest area, if it's full or if there's a lot of them. So um, those would be the top two that I, I think that everybody should have. Another thing um, I would I would kind of throw in there, it's not an app, but it's kind of a product, is um, an, a road atlas, a road atlas, um, a Rand McNally road atlas. Uh, because what happens now Let's is, just premise to the new guys a paper road atlas, not yes. a digital one. <laughs> yes, because what happens if you're stuck somewhere – and you have no service, you have your phone's dead and GPS isn't working or GPS is taking you a completely different route. And trust me, guys, you think it won't happen. It will. Um, so that's why I say that. But, yes, get a book road atlas. They sell them at the truck stops. Um, I believe I got my brand-new one. It's a 2023 road atlas. I believe I got it for about 70 bucks at a, at a Love's. So that, that, those are kind of like the top three things that I believe that every truck driver should have, and, oh, and including a truck GPS, an actual truck GPS, not Google Maps, not Apple Maps, um, no, no car, no TomTom uh, GPS, an actual truck GPS. Top two brands are going to yeah, be Rand Leave, all, leave all those Army, things with your wife. Diesel. Yes. 
Um, what would you what would you say would be a couple of things that um the new truck drivers should have uh, or bring on their truck? Um, so you know, I would definitely say when you come on your truck to make sure you go to all the different truck stops and sign up for the rewards at all these truck stops because you know at the end of the day we buy a lot of fuel and you know we get a lot of rewards out here as a truck driver for buying all this fuel. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, the company's buying the fuel, so wouldn't the company get the rewards? The company don't want the rewards because they don't, you know, the rewards are more like, you know, gloves, buy 75 gallons, get a free shower. The, a lot hey, of companies out here would rather their drivers get that free shower. <laughs> with, with these companies out here, their reward is the big discount that they get on fuel for having their truck fuel there. So they're getting their own rewards, and we get a little something there too. And with the points and the rewards yeah. at Love's Pilot, TA, Petro, um, I believe Ambest even has a little reward system as well. Um, you can basically use those points that you get, and you can use them to buy anything in the truck stop, anything. Inside food, the store. GPSs, you know, anything inside that store, anything. So it's yeah. kind of like a and I know like TA and Petro. I was just going to say, TA and Petro will even let you spend your points at their restaurants that are there. So, like, the iron skillets at Petro, if you wanted to go into the Petro and get, you know, a nice sit-down meal, you could use your points at the iron skillet and stuff like that. So, it's just a little free meal here and there. It just makes you feel good. Yeah, definitely. And I know Love's, they do a lot of... uh restaurant partnerships with like Arby's, Wendy's, McDonald's. Um, but I believe Arby's, Hardee's, Wendy's, stuff like that, you can use your reward points. Um, unfortunately, I have not came across a McDonald's that's in a Loves where they would allow you to use your reward points. Um, but yeah, even, even yeah. you know, there was a time not too long ago, probably a couple weeks ago, where I had about $150 in Love reward points just stacking them up, saving them. And I was able to get a whole, a brand new um, headset, um, you know, a blue, a blue paired headset that costs about $149 plus tax. So I basically only had to pay about $6 for one of those brand new blue paired uh, headsets. So it, it definitely can come in handy, especially, you know, you might be a little bit tight on funds or whatever. You know, you got some, some reward points. You can go get you something to eat, some food. Yeah, and that's that's you know that's that's just it. I try to save my rewards points for if I ever have that. Man, I have no money, and you know, I know a lot of truck drivers out here might be like, "Oh, I never not have money." But we've all been at that time where the credit cards are maxed and the the bank accounts are empty, and you know, the last thing you want to do is starve yourself in the truck. So you got your rewards points. Go inside, get you you know something to eat. Try to get something, not snacks. Try to get food, not a bag of chips and a monster. <laughs> you got to stay healthy out here on the road. And it's interesting that you brought that up as far as there's a lot of truck drivers that will say, oh, I have money, da 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 Well, what you got to realize is that not everybody's situation is the same. And they have to yeah. cater to their situation. And their situation may not allow them to have any extra money to kind of just spend on just frivolous stuff where that's where your reward points can come in. You can basically get anything that you need for your truck. 
at a Loves, at a TA, at a Petro, at a Flying J, Pilot. You can get all that stuff there, and you can use your points to get it. So that that that's that's that's, yeah. that's what's key. Just stack your points. Um, make sure that you you, you um, utilize them in a in a productive way. Yeah, like I personally use my points when I want to buy something that I know my wife's not going to approve of. I stack my points and I buy it with my points. Or I know it's going to get me in trouble. Sorry, wife, for listening. But sometimes I'll stack like enough points to pay for half of it on points, and then I'll be like, "Oh, it was on sale. <laughs> it was half off." Sitting there lying, sitting there lying, man. Come on now. <laughs> but you know, no, I it, 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 you know, that's even, how I use my points. Even, even, even if you had like twenty dollars in points and you wanted to get something. Man, you take twenty dollars off of that. That's twenty dollars extra that you had in your pocket that you're not spending on something else. So, you know, it's kind of like it is on sale. Yeah. Because I mean, the stuff for truck drivers, like the headsets, your GPSs, and all that stuff, it can add up quick. And you know, that's another thing I want to premise to the rookies that are coming into this field, which is sit down, make a list, figure out what is going to be absolutely necessary. I personally would say get your GPS first. It's going to be the first thing that you're going to need out here on the road is your GPS. You don't need a headset to talk to your friends. you got AirPods. Throw your AirPods in your ears. You know, I know you might want to think like, oh, I want to look cool. I want to look like a truck driver. But you need that GPS. So throw your AirPods in, throw your earphones in. <laughs> um, so I get your GPS first, and then I would go on and get your headset next just be a little bit more comfortable but another item that you know a lot of people don't think about and i know reggie's gonna love that i'm gonna touch on this which is a cb radio have a cb radio in your truck and i know it might be annoying every once in a while but have it on in your truck just having it in there isn't enough you need to make sure that it's on and ready to use because it will be the most useful tool you have in your truck (laughs) I have a CB. I don't always have it on. So I'm kind of guilty of not having it on. The thing about why I don't have it on is because I can't stand the static. (laughs) I could turn it down, yes. But at the same time, I do turn it on. Like, let's say you're coming up to a traffic jam. Um, It's good to have a CB on because that's when a lot of people who have CBs, they they will turn their CB on to kind of – you know, kind of either talk shit or, you know, let you know what lane you need to be in. Um, and you can you can learn yeah. that in advance. That way you're not going all the way up to the front and then have to wait 20, 30 minutes to all the other cars because nobody's going to let you over. If you think somebody's going to let you over, they're not. So, you know, having to see me just to kind of communicate like, hey, what lane do I need to be in or, you know, what happened up there? Oh, it's a um, a three lane closure. You know, we're gonna be here for a while. Just kind of get you prepared. You know, just stay prepared. Goes again into the sixth. Yeah, and I mean, a, a, prevents piss poor performance. A lot of drivers too on the opposite side of the freeway. Like, let's say you're in a in a full freeway closure. You know, a lot of drivers on the other side of the freeway. Like I know I do it personally. If you know. If I'm driving and I see the other side shut down every 15, 20 miles, you know, I'll go on. I'll be like, hey, drivers, you know, just let you guys know you guys are about 20 miles back from the closure. You guys are going to be there for a while. 
just being able to know, like, okay, I'm 20 miles away from where it's happening, and we're doing zero miles an hour, I'm never going to get there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that you know, having that CB that on point, it would help a lot. Yeah, definitely. And to that point, man, I, I do that as well. Like, I'll be stuck in traffic. Nobody's really saying anything or giving you mismatch information. I'll ask, hey, like, let's say I'm on the northbound side of the interstate. Hey, southbound, you know what's going on up there? And typically, you know, they'll reply, hey, yeah, there's a accident. They're cleaning it up now. So, again, proper planning, man. Proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Yeah, and I actually, I got a funny story on the CB. I was on a, I want to say I was on 40. I was uh, in a full freeway closure for a fatal accident. And, you know, we're all just hang, kind of hanging out, watching TV, doing whatever it is we're doing. And, you know, I didn't have enough water on board the truck. So I was like, man, I'm really thirsty. So I'm like sitting there looking up. And I went over to the CB radio and I was like, has anybody got water? <laughs> Has anybody got a spare water bottle they could, they could, you know, they could spare? And some guy came over and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, I got I got a couple water bottles. You know, if you want to walk over here and grab them or I can meet you halfway. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, what's your 20? Where you at? And it turned out the dude was right right behind me. And, you know, my guy gave me water and food. <laughs> and we sat outside. We talked for like an hour on the side of the road. And, you know, little things like that. If you don't have a CB ready, what are you going to do? Are you going to go knock on everybody's doors asking for water? No. But also, have your water in your truck before you get in the situation that you need it. Yes. What does that come down to? Proper planning. Proper planning, guys. We're going we're gonna to drill that into y'all heads. Um, so, that's basically the first episode, guys. Definitely want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, if you haven't already, go ahead, like, and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Spotify. Um, and again, thank you guys for tuning in. Tune in for the next episode. Hit the notification bell to let you know when we will be dropping another one. Uh, any 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 parting words, Mitchell, you want to go ahead and say to the people? You know, just make sure you keep that shiny side up and the rubber side down. And, you know, drive safe. Drive safe, guys. And again, thank you guys for tuning in to Burning Miles. Uh, where we're giving it to you raw, straight from the interstates. Um, Until next time, guys, thank you. Thank you, guys.